This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Peggy Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And today... For week four, Packers or Steelers, we have an incredibly special guest. We have the ESPN NFL Nation reporter, Brooke Pryor here, who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers um, on the show to break down that matchup. So, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this matchup. It's like the game that I've had circled on my calendar since it came out. I mean, not only because it's Rodgers and Roethlisberger, but it's because I get to go to Lambeau for the first time in the regular season. Like I've been for a preseason game, but it was week four. So it wasn't quite as special as I think it will be regular season. Um, So I am so excited for this week and so excited to talk to you guys about it. How long have you been covering the Steelers? Did you have any like Super Bowl connections or was that, you know, I guess it's 11 years now. It's quite a while away. Yeah. And I've only, I've been here. I'm going on my third season. Um, I used to cover the Chiefs in 2018 and the 2019 preseason. So my last game covering the Chiefs was the week four preseason game in Green Bay. And then literally the next week I came to Pittsburgh. So um, I I had it circled as like the bucket list venue and a game that I want to cover. And when Aaron Rodgers said he was coming back for this year, I was like, great, this is going to be even better. So. entering it, but you know, I think it makes it even more interesting. Yeah, that's very exciting. I just had my first Lambo experience, regular season Lambo experience, and you it will not disappoint, I promise. Yeah, it is like the I can't I mean, we're spoiled, you know, thinking that Lambo is the best, but it really is like a bucket list item for I know a lot of sports fans. So can't wait to see your reactions on social media. (laughs) Oh, there there will be a lot. There will be a lot of exclamation points. Um, I'm bummed because media aren't allowed on the field right now, apparently because of COVID, um, which makes sense. And it, it makes sense to be safe and have to have those restrictions. But I was really looking forward to getting to be out on the field pregame, but it's okay. I'll go wander the concourses and soak it all in. And I'm glad it'll be getting dark. So maybe like the light with the light flash after touchdowns, like that's what I remember from the preseason mm-hmm. game is I was like, what is like, is there a power shortage here? Like what's going <laughs> on? And then it happened after every touchdown. And I realized like, Oh no, it's like a normal plan thing. So I, I am so pumped. I'm going to be at the game and I'm honestly really excited to see kind of what the Steelers fans, if they'll travel, because I know like Packers fans, Steelers fans are notorious for traveling really well for road games. And it isn't that long of a trip um, from Pittsburgh. So 
we'll have to see kind of what that audience looks like because, you know, Packers fans normally don't sell their tickets, but this is a Milwaukee package game. So there is a little bit of a tendency for those tickets to be easier to get a hold of. Yeah. And they, with when week one was at Buffalo this year, it was definitely still like 95% Bills fans, but there were some Steelers fans. Like I saw some terrible towels. They were, it wasn't completely zero. So Steelers fans do travel really well and it would not shock me to see one or two terrible towels in the crowd. I love that. I mean, me being there, I hope that we don't see that many, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, I mean, kind of what we want to talk about even like before going into the matchup is, you know, these are obviously very different teams from the last time they played. This was a Brett Hundley game in 2017 when Rogers was hurt. The Steelers had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Um, And then if you look even further to the Super Bowl matchup, nobody's left, right? It's Big Ben and Mike Tomlin and then Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby. So, you know, what kind of do you think is the dynamic for these teams going into this game? Is it such an uncommon opponent that, you know, there's not really any history or it's not really significant? Or do you think because there is that Super Bowl pass, there's like a little bit of extra juice for the teams? Yeah, I mean, I I think the Super Bowl pass definitely adds – an extra layer to a game like this when it's not a very common opponent. Um, But I also think that maybe some of that extra juice or or those extra storylines are really downplayed in Pittsburgh right now because of how much the Steelers are struggling going into this game. Like when they were getting ready to play the Raiders, they were one and one. They had just, or not one and one. I'm losing my mind. They were one and oh, and there were conversations about like, oh, well, you know, Raiders games, like that's not a, a super common opponent a little bit more often because they're in the AFC. But um, the Steelers always have these wacky games against the Raiders. And so that was talked about. But I think that you can talk about that when your team is 1-0. and um, And you can look at some of those intangible things going into a matchup. A game like this, when it happens so rarely um, and the team is struggling so much, especially offensively, those kind of secondary conversations and and juice and motivations aren't talked about as much. And I think, like you said, because a lot of the people from the Steelers side of things aren't there anymore, like I said, it's Big Ben and it's Mike Tomlin and some of these younger guys who this team is really focused on, like Najee Harris and Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson, TJ Watt, they weren't a part of the organization. Um, And so I think that they maybe, yes, I'm sure they respect the the matchup and everything and, and think that it's really cool, especially seeing Rogers and Roethlisberger go against each other. But um, I don't think it has the same like gravitas that it would if they had seen each other maybe like three years after the Super Bowl matchup or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think about it almost while you're saying that kind of like when potentially the Packers were going to play the Chiefs and everyone was like, oh, it's like a Super Bowl one matchup. It's like we respect the history and kind of we remember these things, but that's not really going to motivate or impact the players when it comes to game day. It's just more of like we love NFL history and, you know, there's it's always like a nice storyline. I mean, today, even in the Rodgers had a press conference earlier today and they brought up how he actually hasn't played Big Ben since that Super Bowl because he broke his collarbone both mm-hmm. years, like just happened like every the four year um, roundup that he wasn't playing when the Packers played the Steelers. So I thought that was really interesting for two players who have been in the league for so long because Big Ben got drafted the year before Rodgers. They're both like 
know, going on nearing two decades in the league, right? <laughs> they this is the first time they've played each other since then, which I thought was kind of wild. Yeah. It we talked, you know, we didn't have that full context. We knew that when we were talking, we talked with Rob Berger this morning at 945. Um, and just talking to him about like, hey, like you haven't seen him the last two times. I forget what this, I think the stat from um, the stats folks at ESPN who are amazing and know way more things than I will ever know in my life. Um, I want to say they said it's the longest matchup. I want to find this stat because it was so crazy. And I thought it was a really good illustration of just how long it's been between those games. Let's see. Um God bless a fast internet. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> no pair of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks have gone longer between matchups, assuming both start Sunday. Uh, it will be 10 years and 239 days since they have seen each other. Um, and I think that that yeah. just makes it, that it goes back to there maybe isn't the same juice with past matchups because if that was going to happen, it would have been in one of the other times that they could have seen him. But like now it's been so long, like a decade is that's crazy. But I thought it was cool today. We talked with uh cornerback, Joe Hayden and Hayden was like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is my favorite is my favorite quarterback. Like <laughs> he said, I love Ben and Ben's up there, but I like Rodgers more than Tom. I like him more than Patrick Mahomes. So that was really cool praise. And he just said like, he throws receivers open and just gets them darts that nobody else can get to. And it was really cool hearing a guy like Joe Hayden, who's a vet in this league and still a really good cornerback playing at a really high level, have that amount of respect, have that amount of respect for a guy that he's going to see on Sunday. It was just, you know, sometimes you don't always get that from guys or if you get it, it's not completely genuine. You know, it's, you want to make your opponent sound like they're going to win the Super Bowl every week. Um, but that was like genuine respect with Joe Hayden. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And I mean, kind of to that point too, with the Steelers defense, you know, it is one of the better defenses in the league, especially the front seven. I know that the Steelers are dealing with some injuries right now, like TJ Watt, um, pro football focus, of course, is not the Bible, but Cam Hayward is their number one ranked defensive lineman. You've got TJ Watt as their number one edge rusher. Um, who already has three sacks on the season. And then going into that matchup on the Packers offensive side, you know, it's a really young offensive line. Elton Jenkins still not practicing. So I guess what are some thoughts that you have about how this Steelers defense matches up with the Packers offense? Because, you know, is Joe Hayden somebody that could end up shadowing Devontae Adams or maybe like how do some of those things look for you? Yeah, I mean, I actually, Joe had a great quote um today about that he was asked like what do you do with Devontae Adams like is he going to be your guy and he said no he's the defense's guy he's all 11 he's TJ's guy Devin Bush's guy um he said I we have to make sure we know where he's at at all times like I'm not going to be the only one following him um and he said he's also a guy that you can't just say all right Joe he's over there good luck (laughs) that's what Mike Tomlin said in a meeting was like that's not what they're going to do. They're not going to be like, all right, man, like you're on your Island. Don't mess up your assignment. Um, because they recognize what a threat he is, not only just as a receiver, but because of that chemistry that he has with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that for as good as the Stevens has been, they really struggle with some of those chunk plays, especially the deep ball. It seems like opposing offenses have been able to take the top off at least once during a game. I mean, we saw it last week, Joe Burrow hit Jamar Chase really deep for a touchdown a week before Derek Carr was just absolutely picking them apart down the field. So 
they have to be better in the secondary. And I think looking at just the deep threat that Aaron Rodgers poses with that arm strength, that's going to be a problem. Um, the good news is for the pass rush that they are getting, it seems like at this point early in the week that they'll get TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith back because the pass rush really missed them last week. Um, they didn't get a single sack, broke their 75 game sack streak. Um, I don't think they had a quarterback hit looking at the stats. Um, and they were just not getting any pressure on Joe Burrow. And the Bengals offensive line isn't bad, but they are, they also aren't like the best in the league. And so when you're struggling against that, that's kind of a problem. And Melvin Ingram is good. Jameer Jones was the, was the starter, but he didn't play nearly as much. It was another guy, Derek Chizuka. Chizuka I'm not sure if he is silent. Um, he was just elevated from the practice squad the day before and ended up playing more snaps than Jameer Jones. Um, and I think that that really, really hurt them. And they just, I mean, this team is supposed to be the defense that is the strength, but when, you know, your pass rush isn't getting pressure on the quarterback, he's then able to make some of those deeper downfield throws. And then the secondary is just getting burned. Like James Pierre got burned on that Jamar chase touchdown. And I think that that's something that this Packers offense, even if the offensive line is young and not necessarily a strength of, of the team, I still think that this defense can struggle if they're not able to get consistent pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Um, as, as good as Kim Hayward has been, as good as TJ Watt's been, they have to look more like the team that they did against the Bills than how they looked against the Bengals, which is, you know, a no-duh thing. But, it, you know, it's hard to, to course correct after a performance that was really, really bad last week. Yeah, the pass rush is always sort of like that trickle-down effect is if you're affecting the quarterback, then it makes just your job that much easier for the defense behind you. I mean, we were definitely a little bit worried going up against the Niners last week because they have Nick Bosa and Ark Armstead and a, like very kind of, I think, similar pass rush abilities that the Steelers have. And our offensive line found a way to kind of mitigate them and allow Aaron Rodgers to get the ball out. He was getting the ball out, I think, under two and a half seconds for like majority of the game. And so I imagine that's something the Packers offense will try to do again um, versus the Steelers because it worked well. But we know very all too well how you know incredible TJ Watt is. We hear it all the time. <laughs> um, and so I think there's a level of like expect, you know, high expectations. Like you know, you have to kind of account for him. I think it's it's interesting you mentioned the chunk plays because it is something that the Packers do well. They're not going to sort of dink and dunk you down the field. But to me, it seems like the Steelers' strength on the flip side is their red zone defense. And the Packers have been incredible in the red zone you know, historically, but um, the Steelers can really kind of you know, bend, but not break. And mm -hmm. so I think that will definitely be a strength of theirs. The Packers are going to have to really try to like find the end zone early because they'll force field goals. If, if you don't get in there. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. The Steelers defense is really good in the red zone. The problem is that their offense is just can't stay on the field and they keep turning the ball over and giving the defense a short field. And, you know, Mike Tomlin said, like, we've got to be better. We, we cannot give up points even when we're put in these circumstances. But, like, gosh, if you're a defensive player and your quarterback's throwing an interception and giving the opposing offense 20 yards to work with already in the red zone, like, that is really, really tough. Um, and so I think that 
for the Steelers, the key on defense is as good as you are in the red zone at stopping the opposing offense in the first half, even when you're tired, you have to do that in the second half because the offense is getting better in the second half. They're definitely better in the second half than the first half, but they're still not consistently able to string long drives to get defense, to get the defense a long enough break to put them in good position. So it feels like this defense is always having to work from a disadvantage. Um, and that's really, I think, affected them in, in some of those areas. And I think that's really interesting, too, with the dynamic that the Steelers team has because the Packers are almost the opposite, where the defense seems to be much better if the Packers offense gets points and the defense can play with a lead. Because when the offense has to play from behind, it feels like a lot more things are forced. So then, you know, to flip it, this is a Steelers offense that's 28th right now in the NFL and points four. But the Packers defense is averaging a 100% success rate in the red zone, 10 trips to the red zone, 10 touchdowns. So, you know, it feels like there's opportunities here for the Steelers to score but then big ben we know has been getting sacked you talked about that quite a bit he's got the peck issue Najee harris right now is i think averaging the lowest uh rushing yards right now in the league so you know kind of i guess then flipping it how does this offense attack this packers defense that does seem to have some weaknesses primarily where it matters most in the red zone yeah i mean i think the biggest thing is just for this offense to get to the red zone they struggle so much to get going i mean even just initially, like I, I was looking up stats today because Roethlisberger talked about how slow he's been to get started. And he's like, oh, this I've struggled with this throughout my career. But this year, in the first quarter, his QBR is 6.4 through three first quarters, just 6.4. And like they haven't scored a drive on their first touchdown since I, or they haven't scored a touchdown on their first drive. Wow, it feels I am struggling today. Um, <laughs> They haven't scored on the first drive since week seven of the 2020 season. They just can't get off to a fast start. And I think for them, the biggest thing is just to come out and set a tone with the going against the Packers defense and get down there and, and score early because it hasn't happened. It really, again, then affects defense. They're playing. um, They often end up playing from behind. I just think that, for the Steelers, they have to show that that they can come out and start with a purpose. The offensive line has been the thing that has given them the most trouble in just three games a season. The line was never going to be spectacular. They're supposed to be rebuilding from last year. They have a bunch of new guys, the two rookies in Kendrick Green center and more the left tackle. And those, Dan Moore has played pretty well. Kendrick Green has struggled. Trey Turner at left guard has been okay. Kevin Dotson also okay. And now right tackle, they're starting right tackles out with a concussion. Zach Banner may be activated off IR or it could end up being Joe Haig, a veteran. Um, but, I mean, part of the reason that Ben is taking so many hits is because of the offensive line. He's also taken some coverage sacks. Um, and then a reason Najee Harris hasn't played well because, again, he can't seem to hit the holes. And Mike Tomlin said, look, it's not always because the holes aren't developing. Sometimes he's missing them or sometimes they're there and then they go away and he just isn't there in time. So I think that this Steelers offense has got to be on the same page. They, I don't know if it's a combination of the, the calls that Matt Canada is putting in, Roethlisberger not wanting to do exactly what Canada's saying. They look better when they're in an up-tempo no-huddle. Roethlisberger says, oh, we have a no-huddle actually a two-minute offense that they can run at 
with nine minutes left in the game. So that is confusing in and of itself. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they have just got to get off to a faster start and attack the middle of the field. That is something that they have not done consistently. And I think that that contributes to bottling up everything at the line of scrimmage because defenses just are not respecting the deep ball and not respecting the the middle of the field there because it, even if guys are open, Rob Berger isn't hitting them. And so there's no reason to, you know, have to worry about that right now. And I think that the Steelers offense just needs to open it up a little bit. Yeah. The Packers, I think, like my thought going into this matchup is the Steelers have so many weapons, especially in the passing game, right? They got Juju, Chase Claypool, who is someone I actually would have loved if the Packers had drafted, right? And so for me, I'm thinking like very similarly is if I want to stop the Steelers offense, it's all about the pass rush because you want to make sure that Ben can't get the ball to those weapons who are not only going to like really stretch the Packers and force them to cover, they're going to like get those huge chunk plays. And this Packers defense has very notoriously given up like really big plays and some pretty like not key moments for them. <laughs> and so like, you know, Rashawn, Zadarius Smith is still out. Rashawn's sort of still developing into that pass rusher. We think he can be Preston Smith so far has started the season really well, and they got some good pressure on Jimmy G last week, but I think like my key is like exactly that. If I'm on the flip side is just kind of getting to Ben um, and kind of knocking him off his spot because otherwise I think these receivers can, can give the Packers secondary some fits. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what Mike Tomlin said earlier this week when he was, you know, going on about the things that were hurting them. But he said, look, like we have positives on our offense. And somebody said, okay, well, what are they? And he was like, are eligibles. Like that's, that's what he likes to call receivers or anybody who gets the ball. He's like, our eligibles are the strength of this offense. I use that with Claypool and Juju, Pat Fryermuth. Um, Najee is a pass catching weapon. Eric Ebron, who has not been very involved in the offense so far and is more known for his drops than his catches. He should still be in theory, a target in the middle of the field. They have James Washington, Deontay Johnson, was limited at practice today and looks like he could be back to playing Sunday. They have so many weapons, but they're not utilizing them. And when they are, I think the Steelers lead the league in drops. Um, they had a bunch last week. It's anywhere from like nine to 11, depending on who's counting them. Um, but that is, that's a huge problem for the Steelers offenses. They just, Either they're not getting the ball to the guys who need to have it or the guys who need to have it are getting it and dropping it. And there's there's just not been a ton of consistency on that side of the ball. It sounds like silly, and maybe it's because it's the Packers and Steelers, but this feels like a very old-school type football game. And the reason I feel that way is, you know, one, because of the history of the two franchises, but two, you know, Aaron Rodgers has joked all season that, like, he is not able to scramble like he used to be. And then, you know, Big Ben's mobility has also been, you know, supremely limited in his last couple seasons. So it really feels like a pure pocket kind of quarterback day, which, you know, benefits the Packers defense to an extent because we know guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson later in the season are going to give them fits. But it is going to be really fun, I think, to see just some pure pocket passing with two of the better throwers in the league. But, you know, kind of looking at the AFC North as a whole, you know, all four teams really at this point look like they could be playoff contenders. And my husband is a Browns fan, so we've joked that this is obviously the year that the NFC North and the AFC North are going to beat up on each other. And 
every week we're rooting for the other division because we want our division to get weakened a little bit. But, you know, the Steelers are the only team right now that's one and two. All the other teams are two and one. So you wrote for ESPN, you know, that Mike Tomlin is not hitting the panic button. But is it too early to call this like a must win for the Steelers? I know it's against an NFC opponent instead of an AFC opponent, so it doesn't matter as much. But, you know, is it too much to think that a one and three hole is kind of insurmountable for them at this point? Yeah, I don't know that it's insurmountable, but I think that this has to be a must win. A, for just the morale around the organization. I mean, when you, if they start by beating the Bills, who are a Super Bowl contending team, and then falling apart the next three games, and you go into playing Denver, who they're three and out, it's against three of the worst teams in the league. But still, I mean, there's a chance that Denver could be four and out when they come to Heinz Field in two weeks. And then the Seahawks, Sunday night football, they I don't see a lot of, and then it's, I think it's at the Browns after that, they have a buy and then it's at the Browns. There's not a lot of room to get turned around. If you come out of this game one and three. Um, and so I think from that perspective, it has to be a must win because a, you want to stop. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is motivated by stopping the narratives that he's too old, that he's not mobile, that he can't play anymore, that he's too hurt. I mean, he can tell you that he doesn't listen to what the media says or what people on Twitter say, but that things like that get to him and definitely bug him. And he is, I mean, he's like the original guy at being motivated by things like that. Like before there was, before there was Baker Mayfield, there was Patrick Mahomes before there was Aaron Rodgers or not Patrick Mahomes before there was Baker. And before even Aaron Rodgers started talking about like, Oh, all these guys doubted me. Like Ben Roethlisberger is the original at that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they have to win this because it just to get something going in the right direction. Um, even if it is against an NFC opponent and it's not gonna, you know, put them in a deeper hole within their division still, I, I just don't see how they turn the ship around if they can come out of this with another loss. Yeah. It's so interesting how opposite this season has been for the Steelers from last year. Like you think about, they came out so hot, right? They were 11 and 0, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then you know, things, the wheels kind of started to come off towards the end of the season. But that also makes you realize like it's a very long season. And so like one and three can be the start, but there's still a lot of games to go and there's still a lot of time to right the ship. I mean, we as Packer fans saw a four and six team go run the table all the way to the NFC championship game. So there is a level. And I think you got to give credit to, you know, veterans like Ben who have been around for a long time and kind of know how to lead a team like this. And a, a coach like Mike Tomlin, who's like I said, just done it all at this point in his career that one in three sounds bad and it's a it's not how you want to start the season but you know there's a lot of sort of season left and it's not like this is a young team who can kind of sink into that hole of oh my gosh like we're just we've lost it already right exactly I mean Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season um and he has seen some funkers of 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 beginnings but I think the thing that makes this one feel different than some of the other bad starts is like they just don't have any options. Like you put, okay, Ben's not playing great. You put Mason Rudolph behind that line. He's still going to get drilled because they don't have like a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson option at quarterback that they can throw back there. That is not as impacted by the offensive line. Maybe they try to pull off a trade, 
before the deadline to get a better alignment, but then you're losing future draft capital that they really need because they're going to need another, another quarterback at some point. So it feels like at this point, this organization is between a rock and a hard place and their only way to turn it around and get better is going to be digging deep within themselves. And like you said, it's a veteran team. Um, and that at least puts them in a better position than a young team that isn't maybe as mentally strong, but it's still, it is not a great place to be right now if things don't turn around soon. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so interesting too, is both teams are on like really different trajectories where, you know, we had thought going into the season that the, the saints game, you know, if it was played, in the Superdome, that that would be a big challenge and it could end up being a loss. It ended up being a completely different kind of loss, changed the entire narrative of the season practically. You know, week one, everything is falling apart. Then you have a division win. You come into week three where most of us thought that was going to be a loss for the Packers. And I thought it was, you know, the team called it a character win, said it was one they felt like they needed and now they're on the right path. And then the Steelers are kind of on the flip side of that, where I think they went in thinking that there was going to be more success than there is. So, you know, going into this game, I don't want to put you on the spot, but any final thoughts, any score prediction, how do the Steelers come out of this with a win? Man, that's tough because I don't know uh, if there's a way that that happens. I mean, I, I do think like, I didn't think that there was a way that they came out of the Bills game with a win. Um, but for them, the difference in that game were the splash plays on special teams, the blocked punt that was then run in for a touchdown or covered for a touchdown. Um, I think for the Steelers to get a win in Green Bay, they need something else like that. They need some other kind of game-changing splash play, whether that's on special teams, maybe the defense has to score. Um, I mean, there was a time when, when Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph were the quarterbacks in 19 the defense knew that they had to score to have a fighting chance. And that's kind of the predicament that they're in right now. Um, If they can do that, if they can limit the hits on Ben Roethlisberger, then there's a chance. Um, But I, I haven't done my official score prediction yet, but at this point I'm thinking like 30 to 17 Packers. Okay. I just the Steelers offense has not been able to put up a lot of points. And I just, I, I I'll be pleasantly surprised if, if they come out and all of a sudden the offense is completely turned around. I love good offensive football. Um, we just have not seen it so far in Pittsburgh. So I think that, I think that the Packers win this one and, and end up winning it pretty handily. What about you, Perry? You got a score prediction? Yeah, I was thinking I'd give the Steelers a little bit more just because <laughs> our honestly, like, our defense has been historically like one of the worst first drive defenses in the league. And they, they, they're starting to come together. Like you saw it against the 49ers and the 49ers are a a very good offense, but um, I, I like, I'd say I'm more around the, you know, 30, 21 range. Like I can see the Steelers sort of getting some points, especially if they do make it to the red zone. Um, So that's kind of around where I'm at. Yeah, to me, I think it all kind of depends on the ability of the Packers offense to start hot because I think that's what put them behind the eight ball week one. So if we see a performance like the Lions or, you know, even against the 49ers where they come out, have a couple drives that, you know, end up in seven, you don't want to see them have to kick field goals against a really good Steelers defense. But 28-21, 31-21 feels nice, Um, especially, you know, home crowd 
against a really good opponent that doesn't come to Lambeau too often. I think there's going to be um, some juice for this one, but Brooke, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And we want to now give you the floor for a little bit to plug all of your work where people can find you on social media and anything else you've got going on. Awesome. Thanks. Well, I've had a blast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Vicky Pryor um, and on ESPN.com under the NFL tab, the Steelers tab that's there. Everything I write goes straight there. Um, and I've loved talking with you guys. I'm if I, I was excited before the game. Now I'm even more excited. Even if it's not going to be a close one, it's still going to be a really cool experience. Yeah, we can't wait to see, you know, your reactions to everything and just being at Lambeau Field. And, you know, in the future, when we come to Heinz someday, four years from now, (laughs) we will hit you up about that. Please do. Please do. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much. This was tons of fun. And, you know, now we're just going to do our boring score prediction um, for the rest of the the rest of the NFL. Right now we're in a dead heat, 26-22. So <laughs> somebody's got to take it this Man. week. Somebody's got to take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive, though. That's that's really good consistency from both of you guys. We try. We try. We're almost two in sync, I think. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again to Brooke for joining us. That was really just an awesome conversation. I feel like Maggie and I just learned so much about the Steelers. So hope you did too, as you're listening. Um, We're going to give some of our predictions right now. Like you heard us tell Brooke, we are in a dead heat. We are locked (laughs) in. Um, You're probably hearing this on Thursday or maybe the Jaguars Bengals game has already happened on Friday. So Let's give our predictions because while we're recording this, the game hasn't happened yet. I have a feeling the Bengals are going to take this one. But what do you think, Maggie? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't even like I know sometimes we like to diversify the portfolio and pick against each other for funsies. But I it's the Bengals. I don't (laughs) I don't see the way the Jaguars win this. Yeah, they did give the Cardinals kind of a run for their money for like a hot minute. But special teams. Yeah, saved them, man. (laughs) Um, And then on. Sunday with our early slate, um, we have Titans Jets, which actually, interestingly enough, both sounds like Julio Jones and AJ Brown might not go. So, like, do the Jets bring their first win home? No, I think Derrick Henry's going to rush for 500 yards. Yeah, yeah that'll be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Titans, it is. Um, okay, we've got a important NFC North. Matchup, man, this is gonna be a slog. I'm not watching this game. Lions, Bears. I'm giving it to the Lions. They have been so damn close, and I feel so bad for them because you know they could have beat the 49ers practically. They were really in it with the Packers the first half. If not for a 66 yard field goal, they would have won against the Ravens, who are a very good team. I think, given the uncertainty that the Bears are dealing with right now at quarterback and the offensive line. I'm taking the Lions. I was going to do that as well. Um, we can be okay. next up. I'll take the Lions. And like, <laughs> you know, Jared Goff said after last week, like, we're waiting for the gut punches to stop. I kind of joked, you know, do you know what team you're on right now? <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you for all the actual real analytical reasons you gave. Um, this is a fun game. And I'm curious if maybe like, the Colts finally right the ship here, but Colts Dolphins. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. And you know, the Dolphins, I thought were looking like contenders in the AFC East and I guess it's kind of still wide open, but 
I like the Colts in this, actually. I think I'm going to give it to the Colts just because it's like you said, I think there's too many good players on the team for them to kind of be in this, this slouch for too long. Yeah. I have no faith in Carson Wentz. Um, and I like the way this Dolphins team is starting to click. Dolphins defense is real good. Um, so I'm going to take the Dolphins. Okay, good. There we got We got one. All right. I think we're both going to choose the same team on this one, but here we go. Vikings-Browns. Oh, it's absolutely the Browns. It's definitely the Browns. <laughs> I mean, look, the Vikings came out and somehow blew the top off the Seahawks. Kirk Cousins has a game like that every once in a while, but I think at the end of the day, the Browns are just the better football team. Yeah, and I mean, the the Vikings have weapons on offense, and their defense played probably its best game of the season so far against the Seahawks. But And yes, it is a Bears team that has struggled, but the Browns' defense is dominant, dominant. So, you know, OBJ is back. They have the better running back tandem between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So, yeah. I think it's the Browns. So thank you, Browns. We'll do you a favor. Take out Pittsburgh. You do us a favor and take out the Vikings. I love it. Washington Falcons. This is interesting because to me, Washington is another team that is like trying to find an identity, but the Falcons are also just trying to find an identity. So I don't know. I think I'm going to say Washington, but I don't feel good about it. I feel similarly. I think I mean, the Falcons won in kind of like a last-minute sort of fluke way against the Giants last week, so I still feel like Washington's the better team. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, easy pick here, Texans-Bills. <laughs> Just going to go ahead and pencil Bills, the Bills in there. Yeah. I guess you could sharpie them in. Aren't they like aren't they like 17-point favorites? Like, it's astronomical. I mean, I watched that game last week, and Josh Allen, like, went off. That mm-hmm. offense is just flying. Um Giants Saints. This is like a really interesting matchup to me. It Saints is. We're finally at home in the Superdome for the first time. So I think they take this one just for that reason. But then yeah. the Giants go to 0 and 4 and like that's just an unsalvageable season. Which is wild because I've thought for all intents and purposes Daniel Jones has looked good, Saquon's back. And I know he's kind of struggled, but he's dealing with a really severe injury. Like it's not easy to just bounce back from that. Um, but yeah, I think I think the energy in the Superdome is going to be a little bit too much to match, and you know the Giants will put some wins together, but I don't think they're going to you know take the East by any means. Agree with you. Okay, another really fun game here: Chiefs Eagles. I really like this game. I think it's the Chiefs. You know, I think the Chiefs are a better team than the Cowboys, and the Cowboys looked really good against the Eagles. I think the Chiefs are kind of in panic mode right now, too, being one and two. So. They're going to need to right the ship, but I do think the Eagles are maybe a better team than we saw on Thursday night. Or I'm what so night? curious. Monday night? Monday oh, night. <laughs> I'm so curious when the last time the Chiefs lost two games in a row was, and I cannot imagine that they're going to make it three. So I think the Chiefs win this one. They come out guns blazing. I'm sorry to the Eagles because I do really think that they're a good football team. Just like bad timing for them to be matched up against the Chiefs. Well, and the Chiefs um, are so, like they're so weird because they were a muffed punt from starting zero and three. Like the Browns could be three and zero right now, so I don't know if it says more about the Chiefs or that the Browns are maybe a better team. But it's really bizarre, kind of this this trajectory that the Chiefs are on right now. They'll get it together. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Okay, we've got the 3-0 Panthers going down to Jerry World. Do we finally see the Panthers for who they truly are, or are they going to be 4-0? This is a really fun game. Like, I... It's a, I think it's an afternoon slate, so I'm not going to get to catch it live. But it's one sorry, ooh. it's noon Central Time. All right, maybe it'll be on at uh, Banky's. But yeah, that's a really fun game. I I'm gonna take the Cowboys. I think they're riding a high, but I do really, really like the Panthers' defense, and I like Sam Darnold for their offense. But I think that uh, I'm Team Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I think without Christian McCaffrey, it sounds like he might not play this weekend. Um, I, it's hard for me to imagine the Panthers beating the Cowboys. So I agree with you. I mean, Dak Prescott is on another level right now. And Zeke had his best game in a long time against yes. the Eagles. So, yeah. All righty. Moving on to the afternoon games. Obviously, we picked both picked the Packers for this matchup. Um, a really fun divisional game that I wish I was going to be able to watch. Seahawks 49ers. I'm taking the 49ers. I think the Seahawks are the basement of the NFC West right now, and the 49ers are going to need to bounce back from uh, from Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners as well. I now that they're the Packers are past them, I want to see more Trey Lance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think they're going to be coming out with a vengeance. They're going to be home again, so. Um, Cardinals, Rams. Okay, so we got NFC West matchups this week. Cardinals, Rams. It's another really, really good game. And I love Kyler Murray going up against the Rams front. Um, but I think it's the Rams. I still I stand by the Rams being the team to beat in the NFC West. I Matt Stafford is just too good for their offense. That offense is I mean, I, I wish they were an AFC team because it's so fun to watch them. It's <laughs> so fun to root for them. I think as NFC North fans to finally see Matt Stafford succeed is really nice. Like he was just stuck in bad team purgatory for so long (laughs) and now he's shining. Um, I agree with you. I think when you look at this matchup, both offenses are really fun, but at the end of the day, the Rams defense is better than the Cardinals defense. And so I think they come out on top. Okay, the Ravens travel to Denver, the 3-0 and Denver Broncos. Who saw that coming? Um, do the Ravens finally take this undefeated team down? I say yes. Yes, I agree with you. And I know, I think the Broncos are a contending team. And, you know, they could play for a wild card spot at this point. But I, I agree with what Brooke said, you know, that they're not, necessarily beating the cream of the crop to get to where they are. So I think the Ravens are going to, you know, put up some points. The only thing that I think of in this matchup is going to Denver is not easy, right? It's, it's not an easy place. That home field advantage is super real. So I think this is going to be a lot closer than Ravens fans wanted to be, to be honest with you. Yes. They beat the chiefs in basically a shootout, but they haven't looked great. So, the Broncos defense could give them a, I, I think the Broncos defense keeps them close but at the end of the day. The Ravens pull it out. Yeah. I think it's going to be a Superman game for Lamar, Yeah, which is interesting to see teams deal with that because we saw that from Rogers for so many years, but yeah, Superman for Lamar, I think. All right. So unfortunately I'm missing this matchup. Honestly, I'm not even that mad about it because I'm so over the hype because I'll be at a wedding dancing my booty off, but <laughs> Monday night, Bucks, Patriots, Brady's return. Who wins? I don't, 
it's the Bucks. Like, I hate that this is even a thing. And I, Gronk is going to be there, too. The Bucks are obviously a better football team. Mac Jones is going through the growing pains. And, you know, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. But it's not going to be enough to contend with this Bucks team that is a Super Bowl-winning team that is getting better. Honestly, they just added Richard Sherman for their secondary. So, you know. I mean, I'm hoping the Patriots win, but I don't see it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, yeah, I just don't see a way that Mac Jones outplays the Buccaneers' defense. Um, right. Not even Brady. Like, Brady could have a mediocre game, but that Bucks defense is – he's got some rookie growing pains. Sorry, Bill. Um, last game, Monday night, another game that I'm missing. I'm not going to be able to watch a lot of football this weekend. It makes me sad. Um, it's okay, Perry, get over it. You're going to be on vacation. Um, <laughs> Raiders, Chargers, both teams are on fire right now. It's going to be a really good game. And I find myself always kind of rooting for the Chargers because of Corey and Anna Lindsley, but I don't know. The Ravens looks or the Raiders look really good. Um, I think the Chargers do it. I'm going to give it to the Chargers, but I think it's going to be close. And I think that the AFC West is, you know, going to be a dogfight this year. The AFC West has turned into a very fun division, and I really like that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also taking the Chargers in this game. I might even put money on it now that I've become a gambling degenerate. Um, I just think Justin Herbert, he's got it. He's just, he's got it. Um, the Raiders have been great, but I don't know if I trust them. Like, I don't know if I trust their 3-0 and record exactly. So... Chargers at home, Green Bay of the West, go Chargers. We have only disagreed on one game this week. So Colts, Dolphins, everything else, you know. (laughs) Well, let's see if we're right. We just are on the same page, I guess, for better or for worse. Um, This was super fun. We will see how things shake out. you can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Don't miss our Twitch live. It might be Tuesday this week because I will be on an airplane on Monday. Maybe we'll get a little Perry on our way to the airport action. But um, We do have the live show Tuesday. You're right. It's October. So... Okay, so we'll see what happens with Twitch. Either way, thank you, Maggie, for keeping me honest. Um, We will have our live show on Tuesday night with Cheesehead TV. Um, So tune into that. Well, that'll be fun. Um, What am I missing? Thank you again to Brooke for coming on. Great episode. Learned a lot. Yeah, follow Brooke on Twitter at B.E. Pryor. Uh, make sure you check out her coverage of the Steelers. She is fantastic. We're hoping to have more guests lined up um, pretty soon. So stay tuned for those as well. And as always, thank you for listening and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.